Welcome to Carandeo Podcast. This is Danny Ramos and this is Louis Munoz. Hey guys, we've been missing like for almost three weeks or a month. I'm not even sure how long we haven't recorded. Yeah, it's been a while. And it's all Louis' fault. All my fault. It's always <laughs> his fault. <laughs> um, if you hear some strange uh, noises in the back, please forgive us. Uh, we have some company in the house uh, today. Yeah, no, no, no. You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, my wife has some friends over. I guess they're friends of me and Louis too. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, they're having their own conversation and we're having our own mm. conversation. <laughs> so don't judge us. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, forgive us for not being present for a while. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things have been going on. Um, and yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Just like, uh, Daniel had mentioned, we've been, uh, pretty busy the la these last couple of weeks. I uh, haven't been able to get time to come together um but we hope that uh this podcast and podcasts in the future will continue to encourage and bless you uh as hopefully they have been so far yeah um and we hope that in the near future me we we might be able to be a, as consistent as we hope yeah for <laughs> yeah we'd love to do it every week um but life has other plans right now yeah. from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're going um Part two of this Stephen Furtick, Matt Chandler elephant room. Yep. Um, yep. Can you give a little bit of background again of what it was so that yeah. people are not lost? Yeah. So the elephant room was something that um, uh, Harvest uh, Bible Church put together in 2011 uh, with James McDonald. And it was very controversial at the time. Um, and one of the first sessions uh, pitted Matt Chandler against Stephen Furtick on the question and the basis of do we preach to build attendance or do we preach to build attendees um and if you didn't listen to our our first part uh, i would encourage you guys to stop listening now uh, and go listen to that and then come back and listen to this um as we're going to be picking it up kind of midway through the conversation so uh other than that daniel you ready to listen to uh what's next let's go Good, man. Um, but here would be my like, but I guess so you kind of blow up on the scene. And and so I didn't know a lot about y'all. I'm here in Furtick. We talked on the phone years ago, right? You I mean, you had just opened the door like 6,000 people came that weekend. All right, out of nowhere, no mailers, no nothing. Just Holy Spirit drew them in. And and so we talked and then we had one backstage kind of chit chat at Catalyst. Yeah. And and then um, and then all of a sudden you're everywhere, man. I mean, Rick Warren's, you know, having you, you know, do the intro to his new book or whatever, having you at his house, you know, um, <laughs> took his wife on a date. I mean, I don't I've know. Never, I've, never been I've never been to Rick Warren's house. I haven't house. either. I haven't I've never been. Mark, um, you, Mark, you've been to Rick Warren's sure. house? I've been to his office. Okay, yeah. I'll That's I'll what I'm saying right there. Greg's probably been to his house. No, just to his office. So is this, is my time getting eaten away here? So in the end. But so here's what I do, Stephen, and here's like here's a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm googling you. I I, I just want to know what you're about. I, there, the Reformed community is not a big fan. Uh, to be straight with you, not a big fan uh, of you. Of anything. Yeah, that's true. They <laughs> 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 love Calvin. <laughs> so, um, so I'm so I'm wait, googling wait, you. Wait, wait, Platt didn't. And uh, 
So, so I come across this video of you, and, and granted, I, I know I, I don't want to be judged by things I've said 10 years ago or whatever, yeah. but, but of you rebuking your crowd for wanting depth, and, and your defense of that yeah. was that we've seen a thousand people saved here. So from your own mouth, and the pulpit drives the church. Yeah. I mean, people can say whatever they want, but right. the pulpit drives the church. Y you're in front of your congregation saying, you know, you guys want to talk about reform, you guys want to talk about this doctrine, yeah, yeah, this yeah. doctrine, this doctrine. Yeah. Well, I want you to know we baptize a thousand people. You can go somewhere else for that. And everybody cheers. And I'm heartbroken going, yeah. you just did it, bro. You, you literally just said evangelism and doctrine yeah. are, are exclusive. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's the kind of thing for me that I look at that and I'm going, oh, Stephen. You watch the whole sermon or the No, that's what I'm saying. I'll, and that's what I'm saying. It's unfair because you, you judge by sound bites, right? Yeah, so see. that's what I saw. Well, the whole sermon was online. You should watch the whole thing. It's pretty excellent. Okay, first of all, I want to make a clarification about something that happened here in my house while um, the recording was going on. Um, I want to apologize and say that they are my friends too. They're not only my mm. wife's friends. And, and the I guess, you know, shouldn't go in that sen sentence that I use. I guess they're my friends, too. No, they are my friends, too. Mm. I'm sorry, guys. You, you both of you, <laughs> the three of you are my, are my friends. They're my friends, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I have the privilege of, uh, of worshiping alongside two of them. And it's, it's a deep privilege and honor on my part. So, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, now two more serious now now two more serious matters. Yes. Not that you guys are not serious. <laughs> Let me just say that just in case I get more heat. So here we um we get to hear Matt Chandler respond to Stephen Furtick. Mm -hmm. Um and he specifically brings up a sermon. Uh did you hear this sermon that he was referencing? I didn't. So I will probably be in the same <laughs> in the same train as uh, Chandler. Of like, did you hear the soundbite before? Like the little. No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I used to when I used to like follow, in my old days. Uh, <laughs> Furtick. Were you a Furtick enthusiast? I was, man. Wow. I was. I was in. Uh, I was in Sodom, Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> in my old days, I used to, but you know, then God saved mm -hmm. me. Yeah, and in I remember listening to that soundbite when I first started getting into reform theology and where Stephen Furtick did say that, you know, like if, um, if you guys want more heavy sermons, then you can go to any other church. Um, but here we're about action. We're about, you know, saving people. And he like started bringing out the statistics of the amount of mm -hmm. people that were saved that day or yeah. were baptized. And like we mentioned before in the podcast, it's tough to gauge that, right? Uh, it's yeah. not a it's not a single event that we can say, well, this amount of people came to Christ this day or that day. Yeah. How do you uh, feel about that, though? I know this is not part of like the the what we're actually talking about right now. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about making public like like the like those records of like a thousand people got baptized in my church this year? Yeah. I wonder what's I mean, I understand it. I get it. Um that's a cool thing to put as like a bumper, like for churches, like maybe that signals the success of like, of, of a congregation. But more than that, it's, um, it's something too, that you can look at and say, okay, is where are, introduce me to those people instead of telling me like a thousand people came to Christ. Like, yeah. 
introduce me to those people let me see them in action living out the christian life um i don't think it's necessary to like say like this amount of people got baptized in the church in not every context yeah i think there's a place and time to to do that mm-hmm. but like to like make it sound like an av- advertisement yeah i think that's where like it, it could get confusing and it can get like like you're promoting promoting i don't know like yeah i don't know i don't even i just don't it leaves a bad taste in my in my mouth yeah yeah, because I mean those those one thousand people can be super unhealthy Christians. Yeah. Right? We don't know that. Or not Christians at all. Or not Christians at all. Yeah. And it's something that if you look at it, I think um yeah, I think that's what that's what's at the root of this issue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Stephen Furtick saying that really does point to the point of saying like, Okay, is that is just building the attendance. Yeah. Is it just about the thousand that is, that is true yeah or is it about their growth yeah and where they're at and where they're growing yeah and i have I, I i didn't i haven't listened to that sermon i guess i should probably go back and listen to it we could have probably a better conversation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but i can see like how can that be missed like even that like him saying that to the church could be missed understood mm-hmm. um and I'm, because I haven't seen the, the sermon, I can jump into the whole context of it. But him saying, like, rebuking people for wanting death in depth in the, uh, um, doctrinally, then, and saying, go find that elsewhere because we've, this is, look, this is our track record, yeah. right? Like, this is what we've done, even without, without preaching doctrine or theology or whatever. Like, doing that and just saying, like, go find that in so- somewhere else. Like, man, like, that's your job is not to to make the church a place where you build atten- like attend attendees like that. I mean mm-hmm. attendance yeah. like that and have a track record. Well, this many people have passed through my church, but more, um, I rather I rather have um, health over growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we can have health if we don't know the word, right? Yeah, yeah I think you uh, shared something um, that Vody Bachman put today on Facebook. Um, about having, <laughs> having, like how, how, how can we know if we don't know the word, if we don't know theology, if we don't know doctrine? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh yeah, a few days ago. Yeah. But yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Then how would we, how we know, how would we recognize false prophets or false, you know? Yeah. And I think there was another one, like, if we don't, if we don't know what we believe, we can't defend what we yeah believe. Right. Like that might be the one that I'm thinking of. I think so. I might, I might be butchering it too. So uh, I, I got. Might co- <laughs> I might be combining two posts. From <laughs> me too. Me too. No, no, no. You were right. You were right. If if we don't if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it is virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. Yep. And that's true. And that's true for every believer. Not only I think it gets it gets it gets um. It gets mis- misinterpreted even for, for by the lay people in the church, mm-hmm. those who don't do ministry or the work of ministry, that they cast all the burdens on those who do ministry, like the pastors or the elders or or, or people who do ministry, like are, are involved in uh, some sort of ministry in the church. Like that's their job. 
it, yeah. it that the job of like um of knowing doctrine going deep in theology that's their job our job is just, just to come to church and just receive mm. and i think that's not that's far from what we see in scripture yeah and that was the the aim of someone like rc sproul right encouraging everyone to be a theologian not just the person preaching the sermons every sunday yeah um, yeah. But I want to ask you this, Danny. Do you think, especially misinterpreting what Stephen Furtick is saying, especially in that sermon, right? Um, he was younger. That's what Matt Chandler did mention, that it was early on in his ministry that he said this, this in this soundbite. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and for the first thing Matt Chandler also said is that the church opened with 6,000 people right, almost yeah. right from the beginning. Yeah. That's a lot of responsibility for a young pastor that is I think he was like 27. It. It's crazy. I'm 27 right now. Yeah. 6,000 people can't even shepherd myself sometimes. <laughs> I'm being serious. But like in that same sense, the thing that I look at is like, do you think that Stephen Furtick was speaking from a place of and we want to make before before you go. We're gonna we want to make sure we're not like. Well, for those who know us, you guys do know that. Well, we know you guys know where we stand uh, theologically and doctrinally, and and um. So you do know that we don't agree with the direction that Stephen Furtick is going right now, uh, but we're not coming down on him. Like yeah. this is something that we are uh, obviously. It's easy to use his conversation with Chandler to point out that this is what's happening in the church today. And um, these two men that we're talking about and that you guys are able to hear from a conversation, what, 10 years ago? 10 years 10 ago. 10 years ago. Are an example of like two different, um, two different approaches to ministry. Yeah. And they, both of them can be right. Yeah. So that, I just want to throw out then yeah. throw that out there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if anything, th what this next thing I'm going to say, it's kind of a defense of Stephen Furtick. Like, do you think that he was, because the thing that was coming against him was the way he preaches. Yeah. And you as a preacher, myself as a preacher, that can hurt sometimes. Right. Yeah. Like depending, yeah. like there, there's a, I mean, there's a humanness to, to all that. Right. That, yeah. Do you think that his response was more so one that was more on his emotions of like, well, if you, because what it sounds like is he's saying like, well, if you want that, go somewhere else. Like, yeah, if my preaching isn't good enough for you, right? And it does kind of feel like this kind of hurt preacher in a sense, um, in which I can really sympathize with that and say, you know what? Maybe what he said in his emotions wasn't something he meant. But then again, I don't know what's going to happen in yeah. his response. The thing is, it's hard because I haven't seen the sermon. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. But if like if we step back and we look at his track record and his history this past 10 years, and it's easy to see that because he's so social media famous, right? Like yeah. if you go to YouTube, you'll see tons of uh, um, sermons. Um, yeah. And if you look at some of, some of, some of his sermons and his the way he brings forth the word then then you can probably have a little bit more of, of an input on it mm. i think that man i think that that there's not 
different kind of there's not different kind of preachers and i'm gonna explain myself mm. <laughs> for example i was listening today to uh hb charles and um there's this new podcast i'm gonna say it here so that people can and it's called preach preachers talk preachers mm. talk only two episodes so far and uh mark um nine marks It's one of the sponsors and oh, okay. one of the other groups. I'm not sure who they are, but I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> but preachers talk, and uh, A.B. Charles was there. H.B. Charles was there, and other preachers, and um, they were talking about expositional expositional preaching, hmm. and they were talking about how there's different type of exposition expositional preaching, topical, but you can you can still do an exposition on topical, um, but they're all the same right in the sense that that you preach what's in the what's in the text hmm. um and i think that's that's the only kind of preacher that that should be out there the yeah. ones that preach what's in the text and not the one that that comes up with an idea and then goes in a hole and grabs grabs uh different biblical texts to support that idea or that topic that they decide they want to preach on. Um, because at the end of the day, a preacher is someone who's who's communicating the words of God. We're not communicating our own words. We're explaining and expounding it. That's what exp expositional preaching is, mm -hmm. right? We, we're expounding on, on the words of God that are already in Scripture. So we're not adding or taking away. They're there. And we're just explaining them, working them through, preaching them to our congregants, right? Um, and then again, man, you as a preacher and in the background that you are as well, you know that topical preaching the way the the seeker sensitive movement does, it's, 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 that's a recent thing. Mm -hmm. Like there was no such thing as that, like probably 200 years ago, you know, yeah. nothing but expositional preaching and false prophets. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that he can, if, if in reality that happened where his church was asking him for depth and doctrine and theology to know, and we need to be careful, right? Like careful in the sense, like I know the word theology scares some people and it shouldn't scare you. Um, because like you said, Archie Sproul said that we're all theologians, yeah. whether we know it or not, we're all theologians because we all, and I think I was talking with Sandra about this, like probably, Sun, last Sunday <clears throat> we all do theology mm. Sandra is one of my friends who's sitting on the couch <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we all do theology yeah. right? Um, because we all think of God and approach God from what we know of God or we think mm. we know of God right? and that's theology mm. right? Um, And that's why it's so important that theology is within the mix of the church. Because mm -hmm. what Matt Chandler said in that rebuttal was the pulpit drives the church. Yeah. Right? I love I love when he said that. Yeah. And that's the truth, right? Like if we're being led by the word of God, mm -hmm. um, then I think the the exact thing can be said about our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. Does does the word drive our lives? And we're not talking about styles. No. Because preachers can can be different in styles. Yeah, we're not talking about style. We're talking about the the content that is preached from the pulpit. Yeah, and and the depth that is that that you give to your people, right? Um, 
another thing was that the from this podcast too that I was listening, um, we tend to get confused. Actually, it wasn't from the podcast. It was I tell you, I had a long day. I even I was listening to a panel from G three conference. Oh, okay. Um Bodhi Bakum does yeah, that. Yeah, right? it it was him. It was uh, MacArthur. It was uh, Lawson, Tim Chalice, and I um, forgot the other guy. Oh, Paul Washer. And mm. <laughs> I can't forget. I forgot the other guy that is not <laughs> Paul Washer. But one of the questions that was asked, and it was primarily about worship, and I think it has to do also with preaching. Um, one of the questions that was asked was, when we... Uh, um, do the program of worship in the church. Do we build a program geared towards the unbeliever hmm. or the the believers, right? Hmm. And unapologetic, unapologetically, they they you know they all agree. But I forgot who was the one who answered the question. Said that um, we we. If you think that we're doing this for you in the first the first place, and then, man, how wrong are you? Mm. First and foremost, this is for God. And mm. second, when we gather as a church on Sundays, as a community of believers in Christ, because that's that's how that's where the community is united in, we gather so that the community of believers in Christ might be built up. Right? Mm. Now, we want to be welcoming to non-believers of course we want to be welcoming to non-believers but our primary our, prim our primary goal is not to make them comfortable mm. right we're not if if we're not called to be comfortable in the world why should the world feel comfortable yeah in the midst of the worship of god in the church yep and that's not that we we're, we're to be rude to them but our preaching is geared first and foremost to build yeah. our people and second, we will make that that evangelistic approach through through our preaching mm. for those in the room who are not saved. But we don't we don't know that ultimately. Yeah. Um, but that's not the main the main right reason for us to meet. And I think in preaching, that's that should be that should be like a, that's a good answer for for preaching as well. Yeah. When we preach on Sundays, do we do it so that we may be always evangelistic primarily, or do we do it because it is the duty of the preacher who opens the word of God to build the people of God through the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's why this topic is so important, because I'm wondering if there's people listening to this right now and thinking, who cares? Right. Yeah. Who cares if we're preaching for attendants or attendees? And Matt Chandler says exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. If we make evangelism exclusive and say, here's evangelism and here's doctrine. Mm hmm. And there are two offices of the church that mm -hmm. the church does two things and they never correlate with each other. Then we're not looking at it the right way. Yeah. Doctrine and evangelism are together. Yeah. Doctrine, evangelism, theology, everything that's all together. Yeah. And that's the grievance against saying something like, well, we can't preach doctrine because it doesn't breed forth evangelism. And Matt Chandler is saying that's just not true. Yeah. That's not true at all. Yeah. Um, and to see that, we see that with Paul in Mars Hill, right? Mm -hmm. He shared doctrine throughout that whole preaching at Mars Hill. And it was evangelistic. He was speaking to a crowd of non-believers. Mm -hmm. like yeah. The whole crowd was, yeah, yeah, yeah. they worshipped multiple gods. Mm -hmm. And 
he wasn't afraid to say, no, you know what? I'm going to share theology with him. I'm going to share doctrine yeah. with him. And the thing is, like, when you do, when you preach to build your people up, you're not building your people up only for that moment. You're building your people up for the rest of the week. Yeah. Right? Um, you're, you're preparing them as well, like, and giving, giving them, like, you know, enough uh, a nutrient and, and, and food so that they may be, you know, built up and strong throughout the week. And mm -hmm. however their week looks like, if they do community group, whatever, you know, it, th that helps. What comes from the pulpit helps yeah. so, that, so that your people might be built up and strong, right, in the faith. Uh, uh, as as they go on mission throughout the week and come back next Sunday, yeah. I just love what uh, Paul says in uh, Ephesians, and I think this this builds up to what Chandler was saying as well. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven. That that um. God gave to the to the church, and He gave, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building. Sorry, mm. for building up the body of Christ, and that's man. Like we, we can't miss that. We can't miss that. He gave these offices, whether whether some of them are still existent or not. He gave these offices so that um, the body may be built up for the work of ministry, and so that. They may so that they may be uh, uh, built up as well in the body of Christ. Yep. Man, and that's beautiful, right? And I feel like when we miss this, when we miss and, and just pass over this, that the primary reason we have these ministries and that God has give, has given this ministry to the church is is for is for the for for these ministries to to equip His people up. And we can pass by that, right? We can always be drinking milk. Yeah, and that's, I mean, if you continue with what you were just reading too, verse 13 says, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or mature. Mm -hmm. right? Mature, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen to this. So that we may no longer be children, Tossed yeah. to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Mm -hmm. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint yeah. with which is it, it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Yeah, that's exactly what when I look at it and maybe you may say that the, I have a bias um, because me and Matt Chandler are both reformed. <laughs> but when I look at what Matt Chandler is saying, this is what well, I hear. Well, you are reformed. <laughs> Matt Chandler is Calvinistic. There you go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I see throughout. Like his argument is yeah. that the state of Christianity right now is exactly that verse 13 right verse 13 and 14 we are filled with with churches that are filled with children that are tossed to and fro by any any new scheme or any new wind of doctrine like the fads are the thing that's that's the the biggest thing in 
and doctrine. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, the Reformed tradition had those fads, right? Like, yeah, yeah. What, just a few years ago, like, it was it was the cool thing to be Reformed. Yeah. Um, and eventually that died died out. Uh, yeah. It was cool to be Pentecostal. It was cool to be this, be that. It's cool to be a hipster and a Christian, right? <laughs> and you see those things, and it's like, regardless of like whatever that is it's like a trend trend right that's yeah. what that's what it's calling the hip and cool world yeah. it's a <laughs> trends yeah <laughs> um what what paul is saying in, in ephesians is that this is not sustaining yeah those schemes are not sustaining what is sustaining is growing in the knowledge of the sun yeah because when you grow in the knowledge of the sun that's when the body grows and builds itself up in love yeah yeah and then Something that we do want to make clear, and I'm not even sure that we're going to go back to the recording because we've been talking for a while. We have. But something that I, because it's good. Yeah. It's good. You're, you're good. <laughs> you're good. No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> something that I want to, like, as you were talking, I was thinking, um, what is evangelism without doctrine? Mm. What is it? Because if you're going to emphasize that, you know, we don't do that kind of stuff here. We do this evangelism, right? Yeah. We don't do going on death and doctrine and theology. What is evangelism? What kind of, what kind of evangelism are you doing without knowing, right? Uh, uh, right doctrine, sound doctrine. What, what are you, what are you sharing? Something that I love about, um, you guys, you guys know that RC Pro is probably one of our top. <laughs> I wonder how many times we mentioned RC Pro, but yeah. like something that I love about RC Pro that he says, your testimony is not the. You want to finish it? I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> your testimony is not the gospel. Oh, I thought they were gonna. No, mm. <laughs> and now let me let me I let me, that. but let me rephrase that because it's not tearing down people's testimonies. I, they're they're useful right as as a tool to bring in the gospel i i guess right like mm. i know people who have like really cool testimony sandra has a really cool testimony we should interview her one day yeah. um that's sandra sandra is still my friend who's still here um <laughs> i say that babe because they came on me like later on saying that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but what i'm saying is that um the gospel is the power of God for salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Not your testimony. So yeah. people need to know the gospel and the gospel needs to be preached to them. Can you use your testimony to to bring that? Of course you can. But the problem becomes when they don't, when people have no depth about the gospel and don't they don't know how to articulate the gospel. But they do know how to articulate the testimony. Their testimony, I think there's a problem there. And uh, um, and 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 I just don't think that that's helpful for 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 evangelism. Mm. Um, so we're not coming down on evangelism. We we both believe in evangelism. Um, FYI, reformed people, Calvinistic people believe in evangelism. I think that's one of the worst misconceptions that are out there that we believe in the chosen frozen mm. we don't know we don't know who's saved we don't know who's going to be saved we do believe that god is sovereign and that he is in total control and nothing escapes his 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 sovereignty um and we believe in evangelism and and 
in fact, some of the, if you look back on history <laughs> of evangelism, some of the great evangelists have been um, from the Reformed tradition. Yeah. George Whitfield, who I mean, we've yeah. quoted a couple of times. Yeah. Usually on his views of show me in four months. I have a <laughs> really good sermon of him in my car, man. Mm. And I should probably share it with you. What is it called? Do you know the name? Uh, I may have read it. I forgot the title. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I also have Jonathan Edwards' uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry yeah. God. I'm going to have my daughter read that. And that's... Talk about <laughs> doctrine and evangelism mixed together. That sermon is... Yeah. It's like right there. Sinners in the hand of, of an yeah. angry God. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm saying is, okay, we got we got to yeah. sidetrack. What I'm saying is, we believe in evangelism, but we believe in evangelism that is fueled by, is fueled by the right understanding of who God is and yeah. how and what the gospel is. Um, and I think that's important for people to know, especially those who profess to be in Christ. Right? We should all be doing the work of an, of an evangelist. Mm. We don't have to be street preachers, but however that looks like, you're in the bus, you're, I don't know, at work, you are sitting down with a friend and this friend is an unbeliever, man, like, yeah, you know, that's perfect opportunity to do the work of, of an evangelist. But man, like, we need to know the God of the Bible. And we can only do that when we yeah. know the Bible. <laughs> yeah, and right when you were sharing that about testimony and what R.C. Sproul said, it reminded me of, uh, Revelation twelve eleven right? And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Mm -hmm. Now that's so beautiful because what comes first? The blood of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. Without the blood of the Lamb, our testimony is worthless. Yeah. But even that, right, what you were saying, like the reason why the gospel is so integral and so important is that the gospel story and our testimony always starts at the same place. Yeah. The gospel starts with, you were broken. Our testimony needs to start with, we were broken. I was yeah. broken. Yeah. And in that same sense, like it reminds me, and that's the thing that I think of, like when I think of evangelism, in the major scheme of things, the way that the American church does evangelism mm -hmm. these days, uh, it kind of mirrors what the world does, right? That speaks of tolerance and love and all these different things. And, Hey, I'm just going to share with this person that yeah. Jesus loves them and cares about them. And I don't need to talk to them about sin or anything like that. Cause yeah. that's God's job. That's not yeah. our job. Right. But if that was the case, Danny, heaven looks so real and hell looks like a fairy tale. Exactly. And if that's the case, you know, who would be the worst evangelist in today's society? Jesus. Yeah. 100%. Because what did he do when he was sitting at the woman with the woman at the well? He said, hey, why don't you go get your husband Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and have him come and, and, and drink some of this water? And he attacked right in the beginning, like, you are broken. Yeah. And there's only one thing that can make you whole. And you're sitting here talking to him. Amen. Man. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Yo, magic, Pele. Shout out to our podcast on Kanye. <laughs> Kanye was here in Chicago. Did you know that? I know. He was doing his Sunday service. You know how much were the tickets? I think I'm going to probably mis misinterpret this or not, but I think it was like the lowest is $50. Oh, that's I not bad. So. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. What was the highest? I'm not sure, but I saw a couple of people that went like Instagram Sandra stories. Sandra went. You went to see Kanye? Oh, she didn't see Kanye. <laughs> a different Sandra. 
<laughs> not our friend. <laughs> Sanja, who's not our friend. Yeah. Sanja, who's the one that doesn't have a good testimony <laughs> because she was seeing Kanye. <laughs> yep. Let's listen to Stephen Furtick's rebuttal here. Uh, <laughs> because in that context, you're in Dallas, I'm in Charlotte. Our cities are very similar. We have a lot of people church on every corner a, a form of godliness deny the power, power thereof God. dead dry religion ezekiel 37 valley of dry bones we're dealing with a lot of that and so to be and you know this very well sometimes i have to be hyperbolic and sure. i've watched that clip too and man i mean there's a lot of stuff that was i remember it was actually the third service of the day and the tone was off and I was very angry however i like it, angry it does make me angry to think about how many people are cycling through my church <laughs> as one out of four churches that they attend you know they go to this one because they like the children's ministry this one because sure. their friends go the there this one because the worship's hot yeah. and so sometimes yes there is a there is a hyperbolic sense in which i will say if all you want to do is go deeper and what you mean by deeper is give me abstract theoretical truth that is so lofty and so disconnected that i don't have to do anything about it just confuse the heck out of me so that I won't have to go home and treat my wife any better or so that I won't have to step across the street and reach my neighbors. Yes, I'm going to exaggerate my point to say, get out of here if that's what you want. And that was the context yeah, of that totally. clip in the sermon, but you sure. don't see the rest of that in the five-minute clip. Also to that, let me say one more thing. There is, for me, um, uh, there's something I heard you say one time, I think maybe at Desiring God, and I was up, this was right before I called you, the last time that I called you, and you're so kind to listen to my feedback. Um, Rick's rebuked me several times. Well, I called him Once. because I was listening to this thing, and you were, you were talking about um, the nightmare that is Dallas. And you said, here's what I'm dealing with. And the crowd went nuts. This was total red meat for that particular crowd. So you go, um, in Dallas, I've got pastors who say, I'm going to preach on debt for four weeks hey, worship guy, write me a song. And so the worship guy writes a song, Dead is Dumb. And then the pastor gets up and says, Dead is Dumb. And, then he, and, and, and the crowd's rolling, and it's hysterical. And at the end of it, you say, why not better? And then you deliver some zinger line that just communicates the essence of the gospel in, in two sentences. And, and, and the crowd goes nuts. And of course your way is better. You know, I've never been in a creative meeting that had anything in common with what you described and what that does to guys who are trying to preach in practical ways and reach people far from God is it makes us look like we're sitting around with no brains and we're not. We're praying, we're seeking God, we're fasting. I led my church through the New Testament in 30 days, new through 30. We just uh, finished a, a fast to begin our, our sixth year of ministry the, and, and we fasted for 11 days together and we seek God and we seek God deeply and I just don't appreciate the kind of rhetoric that's easy to get a crowd fired up about any more than you would to me, for me to separate evangelism and doctrine when we're just sitting around in a creative room thinking of ridiculous stuff and nothing is taken into account. That we really do care right. about God's right. word and reaching people. Sure. All right, I'm going to jump both in. ways. Yeah. A creative room. I think we've, we've given the church too much like stuff i don't think the church in america will be able to like like persecution comes like you know overnight i don't think the church in america will be able to survive yeah. that man yeah because it's 
we've given like this again this is probably if i if i'm ever past ever church we won't have like a creative room <laughs> Um, Let me find out in five years when you're saying I'm at this creative room meeting. Right shoot, now. man. And then you put the podcast, you know, <laughs> let me hear myself saying it, please, so that I can come back. What I, I think what I mean is like. Yeah, no, I get you. It's it's ridiculous where we've come, you know, from where we come from and where we've landed, you know, as 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 a church. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that. um yeah, I don't know. I think, um, and I know. I I'm mean, not, and I'm not. I'm not against of like doing stuff, like building. You know, having ideas and like, doing, being creative, right? I don't, yeah. I'm not against that. The way he explained it, I, I am. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never been to a church that's like that. With, um, we're gonna. We're going to write a ser our sermon series is going to be on debt and the worship leader has to write a song about debt being dumb or something like that. Um, that was the example that, yeah, um, that Matt Chandler gave, yeah. um, in his talk. And that's something that is, um, I mean, it's interesting and to know that there are churches that are like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the big thing that I don't know, I just looking back at the testimony of John Calvin, right. Of being uh, kicked out of the church that he was uh, preaching at in Geneva, Geneva, and then to come back in Geneva, Illinois. <laughs> not is Geneva, there, Illinois. Is, yeah, it, yeah, there is a Geneva. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then for him to come back uh, and he preached that sermon series of uh, uh, he didn't go preach a sermon, a topical sermon series. Yeah, he went, he, back he went back to right yeah. back to where he left <laughs> where he off. left off, and that's what it is. It's it's preaching the whole counsel of God. Yeah, um, and. That's something that I don't know as you look at that, but that is something that I wonder, Daniel, do you think that we're miss? I'm going to play kind of the, I guess the devil's advocate here. Um, kind of what I did for Joel Osteen as the well. The devil don't need no help. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, yeah. The same thing I did for Joel Osteen. Um, are we misinterpreting Stephen Furtick? Because what if, like, I mean, he said it too. He said he, and I, I enjoyed that he had some passion in, at the end there, right? You heard his passion, his anger, where he was like, Daniel's just squ squinting at me right now and saying, you're going to. He was just being a little boy going back at Chandler because Chandler disagrees with him. And he was like, well, I have, you have this against me. I have this against you. Yeah. And here it is. Yeah. Th that's what it sounded like. <laughs> My wife just offered some sparkling water to Louis. Louis doesn't like sparkling water. Mm -mm. Yes, please. <laughs> um, that's what I think it was. I don't know. That's oh, man. I might be biased too. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. Um, I don't know. I um, do you? What do you think about that? Like, do you think you're misinterpreting him? I mean, again, this was ten years ago. Yeah. So let's talk about the trajectory of a decade. Mm. If we look at him right now, I don't think we are misinterpreting him. Yeah. Because 10 years later, we're seeing the fruit of yeah. um, the last 10 years of, yeah. how, of, of his approach and how he does, of how he treats the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw that sermon where he took out a gun, like, uh, not a gun, not an actual gun guys. <laughs> like he took out like, uh, 
That's one way to get people to start. Yeah. Tides. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he took out one of those uh, water guns mm. and he started like, you know, I just feel that the Lord and then like, like started like, you know, throwing water at people. I did not to make that. an illustration. You see what like those yeah. are the things that I'm like, come on, like that's not necessary. Yeah. And what helps me to think through this stuff when I see stuff like that is like I try to think like, man, what would Paul do? Like if mm. if, if Paul sees this today, if if these dudes like, you know, Peter, Paul, John, Timothy, Titus, all these dudes see what's going on in the church today and how we're treating the, the preaching of the gospel, what would they do? Mm. And it's so hard for me to see them approving it mm. because of how I read them and how I see, you know, how I read their, 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 the way they preach, the way they treat ministry, the way they treat the church. And yeah, people might say, well, it was a different time different context um yeah but if i even though even though culture may shift and change and we may grow and be more sophisticated or more um have more technology or whatever the con the content of scripture doesn't change mm -hmm. the god of the word doesn't change and and i think there's no need for us to change how we approach and deliver scripture yeah. or the word of God to people. Um, and I say that because I don't want people to think then, you know, then does not have buildings or not have piano or not have music or whatever. I'm not talking about those things, right? I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about adding stuff to the ministry of the word so that we may look appealing, sound appealing and uh, look cool and like, you know, just appealing to nothing but emotions. Yeah. You know, see, I'm torn between it because hearing someone take out a water gun and like just spraying, you know, the congregation that is pretty cringy and cringe inducing. Yeah. Like I would never imagine John Piper or, John MacArthur doing something like that. No. But I could imagine someone like Francis Chan doing that. And the and this is the thing. Francis Chan has used props in the past, yes. right? And yes. I've it's weird because and maybe you're gonna see my heart in this for a second. I'm trying. I've, I'm trying to discern your heart. I've never and not judge you. <laughs> I've never I've I've seen Stephen Furtick used props before and thought, what are you doing? Yeah. But at the same time, I've also, I also saw that with Francis Chan and thought, that's okay. And the reason why I think is not so much the deliberation of it, but the content of what mm -hmm. is, is being said. Yeah. So basically what I'm asking you, and this is kind of a tangent from, from this, but it's in the same sense, the same thing is. Would you use it? No, I wouldn't. Why? Um, I'm not creative enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the real reason. Yeah. Like, that's the, I mean, not that you're lying to me, but like, that's the real reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> because yeah. you're not creative enough. But if you were creative enough, you will, you will use some I, prompts in your sermons. I think, I think if they, 
serve the point of the text. Yeah, of course. I think I would because it, I mean, that is a way. As like, a matter of for, illustration. Yeah, for visual learners as well that it just sticks, right? Yeah. Like one thing that um, Francis Chan once once put a pile of salt I saw that. Bible. Yeah, that was good. And it was such a great, like, and he was like, but if, uh, if Christ isn't in the center of all of this and all of our ministry and everything like that, then this is worthless salt. All this is, is you see how big my church is? Yeah. You see how many yeah. people I baptize? What does that sound like? <laughs> he's saying like, <laughs> he's like, it's worthless. And he says, and God even looks at that salt and says, that's worthless salt. Like it's not even yeah. good enough, like to throw in the manure pile. Like, yeah. um, and that illustration was so like compelling to where whenever I read that text, that's what I think about. Or the like, one with the rope. Yeah. The one with the rope and eternity. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing that you look at and you say, okay, his illustration was, Ooh, this, okay. Ooh, Santo. Uh, his, <laughs> his illustration was a means of going deeper in the text. Whereas sometimes I, I, more often than mm -hmm. not, I think Stephen Furtick's illustration is going deeper in the means of a topic, yeah. not a text. Yeah. And that's when there's this disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, I w I personally am not I'm not the I'm not the and I said personally I'm not the guy to use um, illustrations like that in a sermon and I guess it has to do more because of my type of how I my delivery um, I'm not against to I'm not against to how Chandler Chandler Chan, uh, Chan it's the only one that I can recall. You know, yeah. Chan has used them in the past, but be, because I see the seriousness of what he's doing, and he's sticking to his point and text, right? Yeah. Um, that's not what I see for, for when guys like um, Furtick does it. Yeah. Or other people in those circles when they do like a whole basketball court in the in their pulpit. All the backdrops and stuff. Yeah, yeah, or like, you know, like. So Mark Driscoll used to do stuff like that, like the the, the whole backdrops and stuff yeah. um, to serve the sermon series yeah. or whatever. And you, you look at then you look at where he is right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's in that circle now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> no, but um, I think there is a seriousness to the word, and we should not lose sight of that. And if us using illustrations like that is going to take people's eyes away from the seriousness of the word of God, then we shouldn't use distractions. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I don't think I don't I don't think we're going to be asked as preachers and teachers. And you see the warnings that, that they're in scripture, right? Like like not every and not every one of you should become teachers mm -hmm. because you're going to be judged harshly. Right. Yeah. Um. I think at the end of the day, we're gonna be, we're gonna be asked, we're, an account is gonna be asked, is gonna be is gonna be asked from us, to how we how serious we 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 preach this book. Yep. To how serious we took the word of the words of God and we we built His people with His word. Mm. And I don't think illustrations are like those like those prompts or whatever are gonna matter, or whatever. I think. The reality is how serious. Amen. I flooded with, with uh, this kind of 
these kinds of preaching. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That is the crux of the, the American church, right? It's filled with that type of preaching. Yeah. Man. I think that's a, that's a, that's a wrap, right? Yeah. We, and yeah, we encourage you guys to go out there, listen to good preachers. Hmm. Uh, and, but above all, find a local church. Yeah. And be built up by a local church. It's good to listen to solid guys like Piper, Chandler, and all those dudes on, on YouTube. But, like, you need someone, like, in yeah. person. So find a local church, a sound, yeah, biblical, teaching local church. Yeah. Sandra, 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 Sandra. Was it you that, uh, uh, again, Sandra is not only Daniel's friend, my friend as well. Um, <laughs> weren't we talking about preachers and uh we were talking about favorite preachers was that me and you yeah. see daniel you took the words right out of my mouth because i don't know if she remembers my answer for the longest i told her it was people like john piper or stephen furtick no <laughs> all these different people but i said but now my favorite pastor if you have to put that or my favorite preacher is the one I get to hear every Sunday, mm -hmm. um, which is my local pastor, because I know he cares for my soul. Yeah, He walks alongside me. He actually asks me those questions. Yeah. And that's something that, um, that as you look at that, <laughs> that was something that, as you look at that, um, I repeat exactly what you just said, Daniel, is uh, people that are listening to this that are kind of struggling with, you know, their church home and stuff like that, or... Maybe they don't have a church they call home and maybe they listen to this stuff as a means to say, this is my church. Don't mm -hmm. treat it that way. Yep. Like the, we are not. Um, so, and neither are the people you watch on YouTube. They are not your pastors. Um, you need to find a, a great church that you can plug into and that you can grow with in community. Yep. Well, with that, that's about it, guys. Yep. We will see you. I'm not sure when, but we will. Yep. Uh, enjoy this one as we uh, ourselves schedule ourselves and see when we can record another one.